For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. 1 Peter 1, verse 23. Welcome to Canaan Bound Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey. Canaan Bound Podcast features devotional segments by pastors serving in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, along with church history, mission news, and music by various Christian artists who support our teaching. I'm Philip Wells, and this is episode 82. We begin today with a Canaan Bound devotion with Pastor Tom Barthel. Looking once more at Holy Scripture... Today we focus on how we are born imperishable. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. 1 Peter 1, verse 23. At the end of each school year, you might start seeing something that will remind you of what season it is. You see green grass and flowering trees. But what happens when you look and you come back in school for the fall? The grass withers. The flowers have faded and died. We know that it's not just this way with grass and flowers, but with all of life, including us. This is because of the curse of sin. God said the whole world is cursed because of the sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. This means that all people, born sinful, are left to face death. To dust we all return. But God has given us new birth. Through the seed of the gospel, he has made us a new creation. In baptism, God makes us born again of water and the word. The Holy Spirit has created faith in our hearts and given us birth into God's family. Now, through faith in Jesus, we share in the promise of new life. We are no longer left just facing death. We have the sure hope of imperishable and glorified bodies. The word of God changes everything. This is the word which has been shared with you. Lord, we deserve death and everlasting punishment since we were born as your enemies. Thank you for giving us new birth through your holy word. Give us constant assurance of our new everlasting life. Help us to live new lives as we take in your living word. Amen. And now we have a song by Branches Band from their brand new album that was just released called Let the Children Come to Me. This song is My Jesus Lives. My Jesus Lives My Jesus Lives Save me and all my sin forgives My Jesus Lives My Jesus Jesus rose. Jesus rose. Jesus rose. Jesus rose. 
And now we take a moment with the Master, with Pastor Aaron Nitz. Hello, welcome to a moment with the Master. Today our, um, our little moment with the Master comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 24, uh, verses 25 and, 20 and 27 through 27. And uh, this is the account of, um, of when, when Jesus was walking on the, the road to Emmaus with a few disciples who did not recognize him after he rose from the dead. It says, He, that's Jesus, said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Time is a precious commodity in our world, isn't it? We make decisions on what to do based on whether or not it is worth our time. So what do you use your time for? On Easter Sunday, the most important day of history, when Christ rose from the dead, he proved that he had defeated sin, death, and the devil. And what does Jesus spend his time doing on this most important day? He spent the afternoon explaining scripture to two of his followers on the road to Emmaus. Why are we glad to see this? Because it shows us our Savior's love. They sinfully were not believing God's word that said that Jesus had to suffer, die, and rise. So Jesus confronted them and explained God's word to them. Jesus directed them into God's word, and it's God's word that made their hearts burn with joy. Jesus does the same for you and me. No, he doesn't appear to us visibly and physically, but he does instruct us about the most important things in life through his word. In God's word, he gives us treasures beyond compare, assuring us that our sins are forgiven, that death has been defeated, that eternal life is ours, and so and so many more. Through his word, Jesus strengthens our faith, he renews our hope, and gives us joy that will last forever. Those are treasures that last forever. Thank you, Jesus, for taking the time to open my eyes and my heart to your word. I'm treasuring God's gracious words, just like you. May the Lord bless and keep you this this week and always. And now we join Pastor Tim Smith with God's word for you. God's word for you, Job 27, verses 1 to 10. These are Job's final word to his friends. And Job continued his discourse. Job paused. His friends had been taking terms, and it was Zophar's turn. But would he say anything? Would he throw his two cents in? He's been, Zophar has been the most caustic, the most vehement, and, 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 and hey, what's this? Nothing to say. All of Zophar's bile and sarcasm is cooled, and now there's just nothing left. He's out of gas. That's all right. Job still has something to say. Verses 2 and following. As surely as God lives, who has denied me justice, the Almighty who has made my life bitter, as long as I have life within me, the breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not say anything wicked, and my tongue will not utter lies. I will never admit you are in the right till I die. I will not deny my integrity. I will maintain my innocence and never let go of it. My conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. I'm innocent, Job insists. 
He's not saying he's not guilty of any sin, but as we have seen again and again, he knows there isn't a certain sin crouching in his past that has brought on all of this suffering. He cannot stand the pain, but he can't bear to admit a lie either. He is not guilty of the kind of sin they've been accusing him of. Verse 7. May my enemy be like the wicked, my adversary like the unjust. Now, if you're a regular reader of the Bible, you're going to recognize that enemy or adversary could well be a translation of the Hebrew word Satan, which means enemy or even prosecuting attorney. But but here, that, that's not the case. Here, the same words are used as in Psalm 59, where we find evildoers and bloodthirsty men. Here, I would not be all, at all surprised to find that Job is making a pun on his own name, in fact. In Hebrew, Job's name um, is pronounced Eov, and it's spelled Aleph Yod Beit. Uh, or rather, Aleph Yod, uh, uh, there's a cholem there then, and, uh, with, with a vav on it, and then bait. But the word he uses for enemy is an, an uncommon word, O Yavi, Aleph Yod Beit Yod. O Yavi, it looks very much like the word Job. How often do we realize that one of our enemies lies beneath our own skin, within our own sinful human nature? Now, that's not exactly what Job is saying here, but the thought is not all that far beneath the surface. In the prophet Zephaniah, um, there's a verse where Zephaniah uh, uh, sort of condemns, along with a bunch of other nations, seemingly out of the blue, he reminds us that the people of Cush, the Cushites, are also sinful. And you go back and read the beginning of the book and realize, oh, he's called Zephaniah the son of Cushi. He himself might be descended from a Cushite. There might be some Cushite blood in his, in his background. Maybe Zephaniah is saying, you know what? I, I know that I am sinful too. We all need the same Savior. The book of Zephaniah is one of the most messianic of all of the minor prophets. But, well, back to Job. Verse 8. For what hope have the godless when they are cut off, when God takes away their life? Does God listen to their cry when distress comes upon them? Will they find delight in the Almighty? Will they call on God at all times? Our time on earth is our time of grace. After we die, when our souls separate from our bodies, there is no longer any hope for a change in our status before God. In hell, we're told by Jesus himself in Luke 16 that prayers are of no avail. Even if someone in hell were to try to preach Christ crucified, to try to bring the devil himself to repentance, it would be too late. God holds the unrighteousness for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment in hell until that time. That's First Peter 2. So while we're here, with our skin intact, if imperfect and flawed, we preach Christ crucified because the day is coming when it will be too late. While the sun shines and the world hangs suspended over nothing, as Job said, we carry the message of forgiveness through Jesus to anybody who will listen. Sometimes people hear that message and their faith ignites like the burner of a gas stove popping to life. They find delight in the Almighty. Sometimes their hearts get hardened and they're like a car with a bad starter or a string of burned out Christmas tree lights. But we keep trying because while there's life, there's hope. That hope in Jesus 
keeps us going. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. Next up, Aaron Nitz brings us a moment with the Master. Hello, welcome to a moment with our Master and Savior, Jesus. Today, our our, um, short message comes from uh, the book of 1 Kings, chapter 18, verses 38 and 39. This is the account of uh, when the prophet Elijah uh, took on the, the, the false prophets of Baal and, uh, and God um, worked in a miraculous way. We're told in verses 38 and 39, Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. It's my remote. It's my car. I will choose where we're going. Do you like to be in control? We often like to be in control of things, don't we? we? Perhaps our desire for control can even affect how we view our God. If I do this, then God should do that. If I'm a good person, God better make sure that everything in my life goes pretty well. But isn't that trying to manipulate God? The people in Israel were trying to control their God. They were following the human-made God called Baal, who supposedly would send rain and cause their crops to grow if they pleased him. In this test, the prophets of Baal danced around an altar in order to cause their god to send fire and burn up their sacrifice. But nothing happened. People aren't in control. God is. So God powerfully rained down fire and consumed everything, and then God turned his people's hearts back to him in faith. So who's in control? There's no question. God is. And why is that comforting? Because he is the all-powerful God who showed the extent of his power, not in this fiery display, but ultimately on a cross in an empty tomb where Jesus demonstrated his power to forgive your sins and win for you eternal life. And he's the one who's still in control. If God did that for you, Will he not also control all things for your best to bring you to heaven? Certainly he will. I'm thankful for God's control in life, just like you. The Lord bless and keep you today and always. We end today with another song from the Branches Band, new CD, Let the Children Come to Me. This song is called Lullaby, or Woven by His Hands. Yeah.
You have been listening to Canaanbaum Podcast. This was episode 82. This podcast was first shared in September of 2014. Visit CanaanbaumPodcast.com to learn how you can support the ministry of the Wells and find links to the artists featured on this show. We thank the artists for sharing their music with us this week. Once again, my name is Philip Wells. It was a privilege to be your host for this episode. We encourage you to visit wells.net to find a Wells ministry location near you. Thank you for listening.